How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are for another Bible study on 2 Corinthians. We've gotten up to chapter 11, so please go grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be going word by word, verse by verse, point by point through this, and if you see anything you'd like to comment on, please feel free to go ahead, ask away. Any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study. And uh, so, yeah, as we see going through Corinthians here, the letters of Paul to the Church of Corinth is they are royally messing up. They have a lot of problems, and we see Paul having to correct them and teach them, instruct them. And having to tell them again, as we see many issues, and it wasn't that long since he founded the church, and then he uh, then he moves on to uh, start some more, and then they just completely forget everything that Paul has said, and they're not checking, they're not testing, they're not uh, properly applying scripture. We see a lot of corruption, even corrupting the Lord's table, and all kinds of things going on, and now we see a bit here from chapter 11 some insight as to what seems to imply what's going on and that is other teachers other individuals have come in and are teaching them and telling them things that's incorrect individuals claiming to be apostles and teachers and preachers servants of god calling themselves believers in christ but they're but but they are heretics and they are misunderstanding things in their teaching falsely and not just that we also see personal opinions personal things that where uh, the corinthians are applying their own feelings their own opinions their own beliefs and things and and in such corrupting the doctrines of god so that's kind of a a succinct explanation of chapter 11 we're going to go through it a bit more and we're going to uh, see it from paul's own mouth so I hope that uh, you enjoy this study. Now, the video I did, was it yesterday? Uh, video I did yesterday explaining about the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And who, what was it? Uh, some people believe it's actually a talking snake. Where if we actually look in the Bible, no, 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 it wasn't. If you want to believe it was a talking snake, you go right ahead and you can believe that if you want. But that's not what the scriptures seem to imply and we went over a study on that explaining as to why that is but that is an important video that it compares with this chapter and incidentally i wasn't even planning on doing it yesterday it's just but that was just what the lord wanted me to do so okay sure let's let's go do that one and uh it falls right in line with this chapter so it's just perfect so please make sure you give that one a watch okay so yeah all right so please go grab your bibles notepads and pens grab your tea grab your coffee we're going to be walking through second corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> okay now as we see paul in chapter 10 uh, emphasizing the understanding of proper biblical boasting and what we actually glory in and we see the fighting of the uh, of the flesh and the fighting of the world against their spirit 
and we see uh, the war that's waged and how we resist ourselves and we resist our own um our own understandings our own feelings we we resist the flesh and the urges of the flesh the lust of the flesh as you see in chapter 10 verse 17 18 but he that glorieth let him glory in the lord for not he that commendeth himself is approved but whom the lord commendeth and this is this is really uh, important for, for the understanding of chapter 11 because in verse 1 of chapter 11 would to god you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me what does he mean my folly my foolishness well, what's he what's he mean by this well we see uh, it this is in regards to personal things uh, of uh, he's cuz he's describing himself and paul sees that as kind of like a form of uh, uh, foolishness un unnecessary we don't need to focus on this but from the outward we see is a manifestation of the inward and in describing himself, as you see later on, as he describes the kind of things he's gone through and and his uh, authority and all this, he doesn't like it, emphasizing his authority. He doesn't like emphasizing himself because he wants to point all things to Christ. So he sees the emphasizing of self as kind of foolishness. So if you could just bear with me a moment in just my explaining of this is what he means by this. It's not that he is foolish and he's be being foolish, but this is what he's getting because he's describing himself and his authority in christ and what he's doing he doesn't like looking at himself he doesn't like pointing the light himself he calls that kind of a folly that's what he means by this and indeed bear with me just a moment he says in verse one what to god you could just bear with me just for a moment verse two for i am jealous over you with godly jealousy now we see in the bible we see a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger we see a, uh, the righteous behavior of things in an unrighteous form righteous jealousy unrighteous jealousy is this a thing for i'm jealous over you with godly jealousy what does he mean by this uh, for i have espoused you to one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ so okay so we see the language he's getting at here as he as he was the one that helped that went there witnessed to them he showed them the gospel of jesus christ he helped found the church there and we and as we see when we skip ahead with there's issues going on he's jealous for them and that he he wants to make sure that uh, that they're being taught right so he's kind of overseeing them and anyone else that would come in he'd be jealous in protection like a husband is jealous of and protective of their wife against other individuals coming in this is what he's getting at because there are others that are trying to get in to teach them incorrectly so he he's kind of stepping in to protect them against false teachers for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And we kind of cross-reference this with Ephesians 5, where it talks about the, the husband and the wife and be, being in subject. The wife is subject to the husband, and the husband is subject to Christ. And see the picture there as the church is with Christ. So for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Emphasizing godly as there, there's the the biblical proper spiritual connection here we got to make sure it's not the emotions and the opinions and the feelings of the flesh 
is the flesh can get jealous, the flesh can get zealous. The flesh can get passionate. The flesh can get in the way. Or I want to act out. I want to, I want to uh, uh, do things on my own because this is how I feel it should be done. Well, how about just hold up, slow down, take a look. What does the word of God say? For I'm jealous of you with godly jealousy. Verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay, here we go. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. Now, this is what I talked about yesterday, actually. In Genesis 3, as the, the serpent was the most cunning, was the most subtle, was the most deceptive of all creatures. And, and as we see, the Lord uses pictures of other things to help, to help us understand a bit more of the character, behavior, the attributes of something. Or he uses sheep to describe us. He uses the picture of dogs for the unbelievers and how dogs and wolves would, would react to the sheep. He talks about uh, you know the the wicked as like swine and trying to preach them and they're mocking and scoffing. It's like trying to put uh, 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 cast pearls before swine and how they trample. The Lord uses imagery of creatures and things because we know what those creatures are like. Okay, so we can uh, attribute those characteristics to these individuals. And Lucifer is a serpent, a dragon, a roaring lion, an evil beast. So we can really get an idea. Now, when he uses serpent-like characteristics, anthropomorphic expressions, as they're called, uh, serpent-like characteristics, okay, we know what a snake is like. We know how serpents work and how they can sneak in, slither in, and, ha and how they work, and they, they don't seem to be, be that dangerous, and then they strike. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Now, uh, we walked through that and then we saw that it's talking about Lucifer. Lucifer talked to Eve. Now, did Lucifer show and appear to Eve like a, like a hound of hell with the red suit and horns and the pitchfork or whatever? Did he appear in, in hellish garb? No. Did he appear... In actual form of a snake. No. Again, it's just a description of the character. He was like this. He came, he came in his form. As we see, if we skip ahead, we can cheat here. Go down to verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, we saw in uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah descriptions of what Lucifer looks like when he appears as an angel of light. With all, with all his glory and everything, he looks beautiful and gorgeous and, and powerful. He uses that. He appeared to Eve in, in a seeming righteous form, like an angel of light. And he, he spoke to Eve, and this is what seduced her into disobeying God. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. See, Satan knows how to use scripture. He knows how to speak to us. He knows how to work. He knows how to move. He knows how to tempt us. He knows our strengths and weaknesses. The enemy knows our strengths and weaknesses by observation. Now look what it says here. Through subtlety. 
they work subtly sometimes they come in like a roaring lion they come in just complete broadside but more often than not they like to play games and they and they like to try to coax you along so you wind up deceiving yourself think about that one all that they're like is like oh well, look at that oh look at this idea look at this feeling look at this thing they just kind of point and just kind of coax just a little bit and they want you to like a magpie see something sparkly and go off and you go off on your own they try to distract you see satan didn't force eve to eat the fruit he just made some suggestions she's the one that chose she grabbed the fruit she ate it gave it to adam satan didn't make her eat it he didn't threaten her either there was no forced coercion but they come in subtly with subtle teachings subtle feelings and emotions and things to to distract you to get you to think about something else now look at this that so your minds your minds your thinking your reasoning your logic should be corrupted that your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ now you've heard me talk an awful lot about this simple faith the simplicity of the faith how simple is it well anyone can believe how simple is salvation believe on the lord jesus christ thou should be saved how simple is the carrying out of the faith love the lord your god it's so simple and the teaching is so simple we have one book we we don't have have to follow catechisms commentaries and, and all kinds of other stuff and and we don't rely on visions and dreams and feelings and there's no confusion god is not the author of confusion that your minds should uh, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ it's so simple all you do is open the book read it that's what it is it's as simple as that as reading the book so satan comes in the enemy comes in to corrupt our minds from simplicity from simple faith simple repentance simple walk with christ it's so simple a child can do it verse 4 for if he that cometh preacheth another jesus there, there we go again it's mentioned again and again and again and again the lord mentioned this one that uh, we see even in the Old Testament warnings about false prophets. Jesus warned about false prophets, deceitful workers, about false Christs. We see the apostles warning us all down through the New Testament of all this kind of thing. Individuals coming, preaching another Jesus. There's only one true Jesus, one Lord God, Jesus Christ, and he and his ways are simple. He did all the work. All you need to do is but believe. It, salvation is not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. And it's the faith is as simple as, what did he say? Do that. There's no wondering and fear and doubting. He's God, so do you need to doubt him? No. But For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus... 
And we see in another passage, it says, which is not another, because there are no others. Okay, but what about all the people say they believe in Jesus? Okay, we see they're, they're using the name Jesus, but what about the, what about the actual person? The actual person of Jesus Christ. How can we know who he really is? Well, simply, the simplicity of the faith. What does the Bible say? That the Jesus of the Bible. Does he line up with the Jesus of Jehovah's Witnesses? No. Does the Jesus of the Bible line up with the Jesus of Mormons? No. Does Jesus of the Bible line up with the Jesus of Mennonites and the Amish? No, the Jesus of the Bible doesn't line up with the Jesus of Roman Catholicism or, or Orthodox or Anglican. No. So there are others that call themselves Jesus. As the Lord warned us, as many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Well, how can we know how to defend ourselves against false Christ, false teachings, false doctrines? What does the Bible say? It's so simple. It's so simple. We rely on the word of God for anything and everything in everything. For if he that preacheth, uh, for, sorry, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Okay, hold up. What's he saying there? Whom we have not preached. The founders of the faith. So we see the apostles as named by Christ. The apostles that wrote scripture here as appointed by Jesus. They are just handing down what Jesus told them. Jesus told them, they codified it, they wrote it down, inspired by the Spirit of God, who taught them, spoke to them, helped them with it, then he preserves it, and it's passed on unto all generations, whom we have not preached. So, we could actually reword this. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, and we have not written down, as it's written down, because they are preaching to us through the Bible here. Apostle Paul here is preaching to us today, here, right now. He being dead yet speaketh. Whom we have not preached. Or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received. Or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Okay, so go, we go over to Galatians 1.8-9. But though we are an angel from heaven should preach any other gospel unto you, let them be accursed. So, there are other Jesuses. What does he say? Other spirits. Hold up. Okay, we know that there are those that, that masquerade in different gospels and whatnot, preaching a false Jesus, a false Christ. What about a false Holy Spirit? Give that some thought. What, what about... What about other spirits masquerading as the Holy Ghost, but they're not, they're a false spirit, they're a lying spirit, they're a demonic spirit masquerading as the Holy Ghost. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. There are false spirits out there that masquerade as the Holy Ghost. People say, well, well, the spirit of God told me okay sure uh book chapter verse please 
because the Spirit of God speaks through the Word of God and anything that the Spirit of God would tell us would 100% back, be backed up by the Word of God and there be no contradiction, no issue, no error in any way. Another Spirit or another Gospel. Another Gospel. What's another Gospel? So we see, for example, let's just pick on the Roman Catholic Church where you atone for your own sins in purgatory and you have to earn your own salvation. Actually, that's not just the Roman Catholic Church. That's literally every single other belief system in the world. But uh, there you go. There's another gospel where you have to help Jesus save you. Okay. But what does the Bible say? Or another gospel. Now, as he says here, have have others come in and taught you this? Is this the case? Is this what's going on? You might well bear with them. It is producing fruit. Is there any manifestation of this? Because you compare what you're believing with what I'm teaching. Have others come in and are they teaching you these things? Contra contra contradictory to what I've told you? Because what's the overall issue here that we see in chapter 10? they don't like paul anymore for some reason they are critical of dismissive of and they no longer are listening to the apostle paul and he's trying to figure out why he's asking he's asking them have others come in and taught you differently than than how you have been taught are they teaching to you of a different Jesus? Are they teaching to you of about a different spirit, Holy Spirit, than as I've taught you in verse in this first letter of First Corinthians, or another gospel like coming in and teaching? You, know, you got you, you got to believe in Jesus, and now you got to keep the law or something. Uh, what's going on? Is there evidence? Can you show me what's going on? Because there's others, as we see, if we go down, as there's others ma uh, masquerading as apostles going around corrupting the churches how different is that compared to today there are others many 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 people masquerading as preachers teachers evangelists and prophets and apostles of god and they're not it's just like today And as he says here, verse 5, For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest of, of apostles. And we compare that First 1 Corinthians 15.9, we call himself the least of all apostles because he persecuted the church. He doesn't feel worthy to be an apostle, but he was made an apostle by the grace of Jesus Christ. He was appointed by Jesus Christ. And this was confirmed by the Spirit of God through the Apostolic Council of Jerusalem. As when Paul, after he got saved and the Lord called him and showed him and taught him all this, and then he was taken up, then he met them in Jerusalem, and by the Spirit of God spoke through the apostles, they accepted him into, into the apostleship, and he was recognized as such by the Spirit of God. And this is backed up by the apostles in Jerusalem. We also can compare the aspect that if it wasn't so, it would have, would have been said. like It would have been written somewhere in all of the other books of the New Testament by any of the other apostles that uh, a, a, uh, a warning of an individual named Paul masquerading, but that's not the case. And in fact, when you compare the teachings of the Apostle Paul to the teachings of the other apostles and to the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, it, it's all the same.
Paul says the same thing that Jesus said, the same thing that Peter and all the others said. There are, uh, there are some individu individuals out there who dismiss Paul. It's, it's called the demonization of Paul, where they say that all of the Pauline epistles are not valid. That we shouldn't listen to Paul. He preaches a different gospel and he's, and he's not biblical. And it, This is what was happening in the church of Corinth. They were dismissing Paul and dismissing all of him. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. Verse 6, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. We looked at that before, how, how he his speech was contemptible and he wasn't much of an orator. But it's the words of scripture, the doctrines that he spoke of were of such power. He was a frail individual, but mighty in doctrine. Though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly, uh, sorry, but we have been thoroughly made manifest unto you in all things. Second Peter one, Second uh, Peter one sixteen. Second Peter one sixteen. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. It's not cunningly devised fable. They didn't make things up. They didn't try to deceive or anything. They just came and just spoke the word, the word of God. They didn't come with big, fancy, flowery speeches. And they didn't come in great appearance of might and authority. They just came as simple individuals. Simple individuals. Even weak and frail in appearance. And they just came and they just sat down and just told them the word of God. They didn't try to convince them through philosophy and vain deceit, but rather they just spoke the words of God. Mighty in knowledge of the word of God. And to uh, address the question here, um, can any of the false teachers be saved? Absolutely. If you are still living, if you're still breathing, if your brain is still firing the neurons, you can still be born again saved. It's the moment you die is when it's too late. You have right up until death. Anyone can be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what you've done. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You can be born again saved. All right. So we see here now uh, Paul's pleading as he's explaining. You know, well, what's going on? Like, well, why, why do you reject me now? Why do you reject everything that I'm saying? Verse 7, have I committed an offense? Have I committed an offense? Have I done anything? What's going on? Have people come in and taught you different to, to, to for, for you to now challenge me and reject me? Or have I done something to offend you? Have I committed an offense in abasing myself even? Uh, because I come in and I don't come in the appearance like the Pharisees, all this stuff, and, and, and traditionalism and all this kind of stuff. Because I, I abase myself. Does this offend you? Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I didn't even charge you for it. It didn't cost you anything. I came and presented the gospel and... And as we see in 1 Corinthians 9, 18, he says he preaches the gospel of Christ without charge, that he, that he may not abuse his authority in the gospel. I have preached to you the gospel of God. Uh, sorry, uh, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I preached to you the gospel of God freely? 
I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And this is where he, he's talking about how other people have even uh, given to Paul finances and support and all kinds of other provisions to bring to them in the church of Corinth to provide for them. He says, look, look what we've done for you. We've even ta taken of others a, a, a substance for you to help you. Like, look at what we've done. Like, why are you rejecting? Why are you rejecting? And we back up again to verse 3. You see, the corruption of the enemy is the corruption of logic and reason. Where we see where we see it happen, where, where people can just turn on us and it, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. It could be lifelong friends and family. How churches can even turn against people and people can turn against churches. It just, how the enemy gets in and corrupts the mind causes divisions and schisms causes all these kinds of conflicts to, to arise or just doesn't seem to make sense or people get easily offended about things even it doesn't make sense uh, you can get a bee in your bonnet about something get your nose at a joint over something it rubs your fur the wrong way and it, it causes uh, conflict and strifes where the lord says to avoid contentions and strifes if you have a problem with someone, go get it worked out. Don't hold on to it and let it let it just fester. Get it over with. Get it dealt with. Don't hold on to it. It says, and he says here in verse eight, how uh, emphasizing how other churches even have tried to help you, churches that he's helped found and worked in. Like, why won't you listen to me? Paul says. Verse 9, and when I was present with you and, and wanted, was in need, and was in need, I was chargeable to no man. No one owed him anything. He didn't owe anybody anything. And, and he didn't beg of anyone. He didn't beg of anyone. He didn't take anything from them. I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. I didn't even ask you to give anything to me. It was other churches help help support me while I was with you, help starting up churches. You see the pleading that he's doing here? Like, I've done nothing against you. I've done nothing against you. As chargeable to no men. The churches in Macedonia supplied for me, supported me while I was while I was working with you in Corinth. And in all things, I kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so and so will I keep myself. He even says this. While I was with you, I kept myself from being a burden to you. So that you didn't have to try to help support me while, while things were up, uh, up and coming. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me. People can speak evil and all this stuff, but, but you can see by observation, by checking and testing of character and doctrine, no, no person is going to be able to, to stop me. I work for Christ and Christ alone. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting. What boasting? That he doesn't beg, he doesn't charge, he, in that, that he doesn't abuse his power and his authority. So anyone coming along saying that, that, saying that I abuse my power and authority, they're liars. Because I don't do that. See what Paul is saying? I don't do I don't boast my authority. 
I don't push myself like the Pharisees did or the Sanhedrin or like the cults where they make it all about them. It's not the church of the Apostle Paul. And Paul, Paul it, he emphasizes the doctrine of dying to self where I must decrease, he must increase. It's not about me. I don't even want you to pay me, Paul says. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. So we, so we see people come in and, and spreading lies, rumors, all kinds of things against him. The enemy, as you see, as Jesus says in, I believe it's John 8, John chapter 8, where he talks about Lucifer, how he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. When he speaks of a lie, he speaks of his, uh, of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil loves to spread rumors. Rumors, gossip, backbiting, all this kind of thing, spreading false teaching, false thoughts and opinions and feelings. This is why you should only rely on that which is absolute truth. What does the word of God say? You check and test a person's character, not by what you see, not by what you hear, not by what you feel, not by what anyone else is saying, but by what the word of God says. You check their doctrine of heart. Their doctrine and character of heart comparing to the word of God. But individuals have spread lies and rumors and all kinds of stuff into the church of Corinth. And this is why they are rejecting the apostle Paul. Verse 12. But what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. Individuals are desiring an occasion against him. Uh, that uh, They want to uh, build, build up a case against Paul to discredit Paul, to stop Paul, to silence Paul. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion. You want to nip this in the, in the bud. You want, you want to stop this as soon as possible by proving yourself by the word of God. Some people really get amped up and all this stuff and they have to do reaction videos and, and do posts and they're constantly having to clear their name and everything. And someone says something, they have to take this and they have to challenge every lion rumor that may be said about that person. But what, what do you actually do according to the word of God? You proved yourself by the work. Let the, let the work, let the ministry be your proof. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't prove yourself. The Lord will justify you. The Lord will validate you. You don't take it personal. There's always, 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 100% of the time, always, always, always going to be individuals who are going to hate you just because no matter what. From the moment you were born, there's going to be individuals whose sole purpose in life is to make your life miserable. That's just what it is. There's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be enemies. There's always going to be problems. There's always, always going to be that. Rumors, lies, manipulations, corruptions, schisms. It's always going to be around. So how do you challenge it? By continuing in the work. What I, what I do, what does Paul do? Evangelism work, preaching, teaching, missionary work. That I will do, that I may cut off occasion. Look at my past, look, look at the ministry, look at everything that I've done. These individuals are calling me liars and they're saying I'm doing this and this and this and this. Go, go check it out. 
go look at all the messages go look at all the churches go ask the other saints go ask everybody and you will see that him that i may cut off occasion of them which are trying to do this for when they for when they glory they may be found even as we they say they say they love christ well look at me do i not love jesus christ so the challenge comes down to now which christ is the true christ and this is what he gets to in verse 13. For such that, that are doing this, like the Judaizers, the cults, for such are false apostles. Now, we could go into the whole argument of are there apostles today or not. No, there aren't. But, um, okay, if an individual is calling themselves an apostle, okay, let's hypothetically theoretically just look at this just for a moment let's say they are an apostle if they're actually an apostle of jesus christ then all of their doctrine and theology will 100 percent line up with the word of god without contradiction without issue without a single problem right because well, if they're an apostle, then their doctrines and theology will be will be word for word, just like all the other apostles throughout the throughout the New Testament. So, how do you challenge a person's authority by the Bible, not by what you feel and think or anyone else saying? By the Word of God, you challenge a person by the Word of God, doctrine, theology. For such a false apostle, so how could someone be a false apostle if their teachings of the doctrines of Christ? don't line up they don't line up the word of god says this but they're saying that like for example kenneth copeland calls himself an apostle <laughs> well obviously he's an apostle of satan there are some who even joke that kenneth copeland is actually lucifer himself in a skin suit well that might be close but i don't know about that but such are false apostles deceitful workers they work deceitfully they have ulterior motives like joel osteen and all these others who who pretend that to be preaching niceties and just love and warmness and all this stuff but what are they actually all about money they will say and do anything so you will line their pockets that's what it's all about deceitful workers I mean, even if it's not about money, it's about self-notoriety, self-fame, self-fortune, self-power. It becomes a cult of themselves. It's all about themselves. Deceitful workers. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Look at this. Transforming themselves. But what do we see with the word of God? The Lord is the one that transforms us. He changes us. He's the one that makes us who we are. He's the one that sets up, tears down, builds up. He's the one that does all the work. He's the one that changes the heart, changes the mind. He's the one that gives us the words which say it's all about him. But what do cults do? They make that all about themselves. They, uh, they change and modify and transform themselves. They make themselves of themselves and in themselves they corrupt themselves. Transforming themselves is all about them. Their church is famous for them becomes a cult of them transforming themselves into the apostles of christ 
So how can you know if they're a false apostle? The doctrine, the theology, compared to the Bible. Now, what did Jesus say about this? Let's go back to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And we want verse 23. Matthew 24, verse 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. To deceive even the saints. They will even have, have seemingly great power and authority. They can work signs and wonders and miracles. Well, you mean like Janus and Jambres that withstood Moses? You see, some people say, well, how are they not an apostle of Jesus? Well, look at the miracles they can do. Janus and Jambres turned their staves into snakes and worked mighty signs and wonders, mimicking the very miracles that Moses was doing. They were doing it through black magic. Were they, were they the prophets of God because they could work signs and wonders? All because someone can, can do mighty signs and wonders doesn't mean that they're of God. You want to check the doctrines. The doctrine, the theology. Don't look at the appearance. Judge not after the appearance. Because anybody, by any spirit, can work any kind of sign and wonder. But you want to challenge the doctrine of the heart. Because anybody can rise up and say they love Jesus and, like Todd White, make, make seemingly make the legs grow. Anybody, can, by any sleight of hand or magic or whatever, can do anything. But it's the doctrine that's what's important. If someone truly is of God, their teaching will line up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. This, 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 this supersedes everything anything it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they look like it doesn't matter what they're about it doesn't matter how many diplomas or certificates it doesn't matter how many people are behind them it doesn't matter what their name is it doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter if it if what they are saying does not line up with the word of god then they are a false teacher false preacher false apostle deceitful worker they're they're teaching a false christ they are not of god no matter who they are what they are how no matter how many books they've written doesn't matter how long ago they lived it doesn't matter how many people follow them it doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with the word of god then they're wrong such are false apostles deceitful workers it's all about them it's all about what they think, what they believe, what they want, their pockets, their bank account. It's about their power, their notoriety. It's not about Jesus Christ. Trans they transform themselves. It's all about themselves. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Let's look at Matthew that's 7. Matthew 7. And we want verse 15. 
I actually wish you back up verse 14. Verse 13. Okay, so Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. No, we looked at that before, but straight as in, as is narrow and fixed. That's what that means. Narrow and fixed. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go, go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. How narrow is the way? It's as narrow as the word of God is thick. Now you see, he's talking about this, about um, the narrow way and the broad, the, the broad way. Why? Verse 15. Beware of false prophets because individuals will come in who will try to make the way broader. They'll try to swing open the gates even wider to be more accepting of differing beliefs, different doctrines, different gospels, things that are contrary to the word of God, to be accepting more of things which the word of God does not accept. They will use terms and things and call, calling you calling you divisive and bigoted and hateful and not loving and blah 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 all say all kinds of things to try to guilt you and to trick you so that you will change your beliefs. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing they will appear like us they will seem to be like us they will sound like us behave like us where you'd swear they were one of us but as the scriptures say they go from us because they were not of us they're not truly of us the tares and the wheat look kind of the same like you you can hardly tell You'd easily be plucking up wheat when you're trying to pluck up tares. You got to be very careful. So how can you check and test if they actually are of God or not? Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. Remember, we talked about the in, the inner man, the inner man. Inwardly, they are ravening wolves. It's all about them. They just want to feed their belly. They, they just want to, the, to hunt and kill, and they want to uh, gain for themselves. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? Outwardly, they look beautiful. The Pharisees outwardly look beautiful. They look godly and beautiful and glorious in their appearance, in their works and the deeds, but inwardly, they are full of rottenness and dead bones. They're just full of rot and just stench and they're foul, like open sepulchers inwardly. Judge them after the appearance. All because someone looks good, sounds good, appears good, does good, doesn't mean they are good. What does he say? Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. So many people say that the, right here, that's the outward. No, it's not works. It's the fruits of doctrine. It's the fruits of truth. It's the fruits of teaching, of the fundamentals of the faith. You shall know them by the fruits, the fruits of the Spirit, which teaches and instructs and guides us in all things. You shall know them by their fruits. Beware of false teachers, false preachers, deceitful workers. Beware of this. And this is what Paul is telling the church of Corinth in uh, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse, uh, verse 13, for such are false apostles, 
people call themselves preachers and teachers and Christians and they call them they call themselves apostles and prophets they call themselves they transform themselves self-proclaimed prophets self-proclaimed apostles self-proclaimed preachers and teachers For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. It's all about them. Transforming themselves. And the Lord says, beware of them. Beware of them. People say, well, well, how could that be? Well, how could, how could that be? Individuals set themselves up as mighty, powerful Christians, but they're actually not. How, how does this happen? How could that be? Verse 14. Don't even marvel at it. It's not something to marvel at. It's not something that, that's like shocking. Because verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. If the the very number one arch, arch enemy of God, Lucifer, can transform himself, the very beast of hell himself, Lucifer himself can transform into an angel of light to deceive people. Verse, uh, verse 15, it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. We'll get to that in a moment. So if it's, if it's not even a problem, not even a challenge, for Lucifer himself to appear before you as the very angel of God and talk to you like an angel of God. Look, sound, feel, sense like an angel of God. Speak to you in such such ways of words of peace and love and comfort and I feel so close to God. But it's actually of the devil. It's not a big deal. It's not even a challenge for there to be ministers preachers teachers evangelists missionaries whatever apostles prophets that are actually servants of the devil masquerading as ministers of righteousness it's not it's not it's not even something to even wonder about of course there will be of course that happens now we see in verse 15 whose end shall be according to their works whose end shall be according to their works. The goal, the point, the purpose. So how can we test them to see if they are of God? Okay, what does scripture say? What does scripture say that the work of the minister is supposed to be? What, what are the ministers, the preachers, the teachers, what is their purpose? What's the end goal of their works, according to the word of God? Like, for example, Peter and Paul and James. What is the goal, the purpose? To magnify Christ? To bring the lost to Christ so they can be born again saved? To, to strengthen and encourage the saints in the truth of Christ? It's what it's all about. The end goal is magnifying, glorying, and worshiping Jesus Christ. It's what it's all about. Okay. What about the cults? What's the end goal? Self. 
I do, I gain, I achieve, I, I'm rewarded, I atone, I keep, I work, me, 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 my pocket, my bank account, what I want, my feelings, all about me. Magnifying me, self. Look how good I am, look how holy I am, like the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. The end shall be according to their works. So you don't look at the individual here now. Like, for example, look at uh, Joyce Myers. Okay. Some people say, well, how could you say, look what she's saying. Don't look at what she's at the present. Look at the purpose of where this leads. Her teaching, where does it lead you? All about magnifying of self. Joel Osteen, all about magnifying of self. Kenneth Copeland. All about magnifying of self. Whose end shall be according to the works. All about you. You shall be as gods. Knowing the difference in good and evil. It's the same thing all the way down through. Since the Garden of Eden. Lucifer lying to Eve. You shall be as gods. Magnifying of self. The lowering of God. The magnifying of self. I must increase, he must decrease. You see, the devil always inverts it. He always flips it around. Whose end shall be according to their works. So how can you check and test? You pay attention to everything they're saying. You scrutinize it by the word of God. Test everything to test the spirits to see if they are of God. Not test the spirits by the spirit. No, no, no. It doesn't say that. It's just to test the spirits of the air of God. But what is the test? The test isn't me. It's not my feelings. It's not what I think. It's it's not what I believe. It's by what the word of God says. Now, what I think the interpretation is, look at the scriptures. What does it flat out say? What does it say? What does the word of God say? Because I can make mistakes. My feelings are relevant your feelings are relevant if that triggers you too bad so we see our feelings our opinions our visions our dreams our achievements are irrelevant we don't test things by what i feel what i think regarding it because the devil can it knows how to word things in such a way and present them in such a way that even the very elect could be deceived can Christians make mistakes? Yeah. Can Christians be led into error? Yes. Can Christians wind up being deceived by and believing wrong doctrine? Yes. So we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our own catechisms that were written by man. Because they could be wrong. They're not infallible. And that, that's not scripture. Catechisms are not scripture. Scripture is scripture. Bible verses are scripture. So we go to the word of God and see what does the word of God say. So we see whose end shall be according to their works. What is the purpose, the goal, the point of the ministries, of the different works, of the different preachers and people out there that set themselves up uh, to go out and to preach and teach and work? What is the goal, the purpose? Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. My kingdom is not of this earth, not of this world. Jesus says, forsake all, follow me. Jesus says, if you love me, keep, keep my commandments. Jesus says, Jesus says, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. 
Jesus says you must be born again. Jesus says repent and believe the gospel. Jesus says salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. Jesus says it's not by righteous works. Jesus says it's not by works of the law. Jesus says you're held in my hand and no man can pluck you out. Jesus said that he'd, he'd be betrayed and then he'd be arrested and he'd be put to death, he'd be crucified and he'd rise again. And he did. Jesus says, God says, the word of God says, what the word of God says is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. Some people will say, oh yes, absolutely, we agree to that. But they don't practice that. Saying it is one thing, doing it is another. So we got to be careful not to be deceived by the outward appearance. Not to be tricked by the flowery speeches of men. Verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool, receive me that I may boast myself a little. What does he mean? What, boast ourselves as fools? What does he mean by this? We go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ, we are weak. But ye are strong, ye are honorable, but we are despised. Fools for Christ's sake. What does that mean? The world will see us as foolish because we don't make it about ourselves. Because we're not living to make our earthly empires. We're not living, we're not focusing on... For the purpose of self-gain, self-notoriety, self-fame. It's not about ourselves. Because we abase ourselves, we're seen as foolish compared to the world. Because what does Joel Osteen constantly teach? The praising and self-elevation of self. But we see in the word of God, the abasing of self and the magnifying of Christ. This is what he means here. Yet as a fool receive me that I may boast myself a little. Now, he's going to go on to be explain, explaining what he means by this. Because what happens when we do this? What happens when we make it all about the Lord and we don't make it about ourselves? The world will hate you. The world will hate you when you make it all about Jesus Christ, not about yourself. The world loves cults. <laughs> the world loves cults. And, and, and religions where it's all about you, you earning to gain, maintaining to keep, self-atoning, you working, you slaving, it's all about you. The world loves religion. It hates Jesus Christ. When you magnify Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, the world will hate you. But if you magnify a Jesus and you as equal, the world loves false mysticisms. The world loves false religions. The world loves false Jesuses. The world loves false gods. Verse 17. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Remember I talked about again as Paul doesn't like to focus on himself. He doesn't want to, to push his authority or to make it by himself. He doesn't want to focus on himself at all. That's what he call, he's calling here foolishness. Uh, he doesn't want to boast about himself. 
but what he's doing here in this chapter is he he's challenging the Corinthians uh, ideas because individuals had come in and lied about the Apostle Paul they're trying to uh, make the church of Corinth betray Paul and to hate Paul and fight against Paul and Paul's now challenging their their uh, uh, their ideas about these false teachers that were coming in because he doesn't want to glo- Paul does not want to glory about himself he doesn't want to magnify himself he doesn't want to brag about himself but he's just mentioning some things that has happened to him because of his ministry that the other preachers were lying about seeing that many glory after the flesh i will glory also for you suffer fools gladly seeing yourselves are wise you're suffering fools you're allowing fools to come in and teach you falsely seeing you and you think yourself wise because of this Verse 20, for ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take it, take, take of you, if a man exalt himself and any man smite you in the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. You're allowing people to come in and abuse you and you don't even realize it. What is, what is the truth of God? Not by what others say what others think what others feel what others are magnifying themselves about but rather it comes down to again doctrine theology what does the word of god say everything else is irrelevant everything else is irrelevant now here he goes in comparing um they call themselves hebrews okay in verse 22 that these individuals coming in, they call themselves apostles. That they're that they're of the apostleship of Jesus. They call themselves Hebrews. Well, so am I. What's the difference between me and them? Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, often. Uh, sorry, in prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. That, that one always gets me. In deaths, often. <laughs> In deaths, often. That he's been killed multiple times. And the Lord brings him back to life. The, the one that always gets me is the one where uh, uh, he goes, I forget which city it was. Anyways, he was in there, and the people got stirred up, and they stoned the Apostle Paul to death. Dragged him out of the city, dumped him down, went back in. And the the, the, the other Christians came and stood around him, mourning, mourning over Paul. And all of a sudden, he just stands up. The Lord brings him back to life, knits his bones and everything back together, heals him up. And he walks back into the city. <laughs> That one always gets me. Like, could you imagine the faces of the people that literally just stoned you? Now, you realize what's involved with this. They're not tiny little rocks. They would take great big two-handed rocks up over their head and slam them on you. Shattering bone and crushing you to death. You're literally smashed and crushed to death with great big rocks. You're obviously, obviously dead. They drag you out in this bloody, 
mess, dump you down in the ground outside the city, and I hear you come walking back in the city completely healed. <laughs> Could you imagine their faces? Uh, man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall on that one just to see that their reaction. In deaths, often, verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes save one. Because 40 stripes would kill a man, so they would whip you 39 times. Five times. Five times he's been whipped that way. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Drowned in the ocean a night and a day. What did Jesus say? Matthew 5.11. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Blessed are you when this happens. To suffer for Christ. In journeyings often out in the wilderness. Just out in the wilderness. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, he's been robbed. Held, held up at knife point and robbed. In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathens, in perils in the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Think about that one. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So don't think it a strange thing when it happens because we were told it would happen. If you choose to live for Christ, choose to walk with Christ, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to be a bed of roses like the heretics try to tell you. You're not going to have your best life now. You have your best life later. Verse 27, in wearinesses and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And even though all of this is happening, how the how the how the brethren, the churches care for you and they pray for you and they help you. Philippians 1.29 Philippians 1.29 For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. It's not just about believing the Lord it's about serving the Lord. Now your service does not affect your salvation. Yes, you are saved, but we are called to service. We're called to service. And because we are serving Christ, we will be hated. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. We don't fight back. Speak evil of no men. Render not evil for evil. But love your enemies. We see, we see how 
we are supposed to be by this. And we challenge others, authorities and stuff, by comparing them to the Word of God. Is Joel Osteen a servant of Jesus Christ? No, he is not. How do you know? By comparing the, the end according to his works and his doctrine. What's his purpose and what's his teaching? What's going on? Doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. Okay, where did we go? Uh, so again, as he's challenging them, because certain individuals have come in to challenge his authority and challenge him as, as an apostle, as a servant of Christ, is that they, they boast themselves. Then they're talking about, look what we've achieved, look what we've done. And Paul says, yeah, uh, like anyone can brag because look what I've been through, look what I've done. That's not what that's not what matters. Oh, I've written books and held conferences and done all this, and I have diplomas. Okay, fine. Yeah, anybody can go and do that. Anybody can achieve things. But what? But what does it all come down to? Verse nine. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who's offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. John sixteen thirty three. John 16.33. I'll get there eventually. My pages are sticking together. John 16.33. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In me ye might have peace. In the world... Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what do we glory in? We glory in the work of Jesus Christ. We glory in Jesus Christ, not ourselves. It doesn't matter what we've achieved, what we have, what we've gained, where we've gone, or what we've done. It matters that Jesus Christ is magnified. It matters that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. It matters that souls are being saved. It matters that the saints are being strengthened in the service of the Lord. If I must needs glory, verse 30, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities, which concern mine infirmities, not my infirmities. I don't glory in my infirmities, in my, in my achievements, and in my sufferings. I glory in that which concerns it, which is what? Of what is causing this? What is causing this? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. He doesn't even glory in his infirmities. He doesn't even care about himself. I have nothing to glory of. Of myself. Of myself. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? What is my reward? What, what do I glory in? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. What does he mean? That, that I get to preach the gospel of Christ freely. 
I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ freely. It's free. It's simple. Here it is. It's not about me. It's not about power. It's not about earthly anything. It's not about this world. It's about the world to come. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, and risen again. It's all about that. It's all about uh, trying to gain earthly empires. My kingdom is not of this world, as Jesus says. So therefore, we don't focus on this world. We focus on that which is which is everlasting. We focus on that which is eternal. We focus on the souls, not the outward appearance. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what they've achieved. It doesn't matter how powerful they are, how famous they are, how rich they are, how poor they are. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God has made all the nations of the earth of one blood, and he's not willing that any should perish, but he calls everyone unto himself by Jesus Christ, by the one way, one truth, one life. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I made a post the other day. Some of you have seen it. Some of you got offended by it. I was quite surprised, but sometimes I'm kind of not surprised. I knew there would be some that would get upset. Some people that followed CCT got offended by my post. I posted this on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I posted it everywhere. <clears throat> I'm no patriot. I don't care about these earthly nations that forget God, celebrate sin, and directly fight against the word of God. No flag of earth stands for true freedom. No field of stars and stripes can excite me. But the scars and stripes of Jesus Christ save me. His truth frees me and excites me. And his kingdom, I am patriotic for. I'm patriotic for the scars and stripes. Not for the things of this world. There's no constitutional bill of rights. There's no there's no uh, paper of earth that, that excites me. The word of God is the only thing I care about. I don't care about earthly empires and nations. I care about souls. I care about the magnifying of the Lord's church, of building up saints to worship Christ, to worship the Lord. We got to be careful what we're focusing on. Nothing else, nothing else matters. We don't glory in anything else. We don't glory in flags and nations. We don't glory in buildings and personal history. We glory in the Lord and the Lord's history. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we start focusing on the outward appearance, we become false teachers. We are presenting the work of Christ falsely. We are corrupting the simplicity of Jesus Christ. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to corrupt our minds from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about how we've suffered. It doesn't matter how many times we've been arrested or how much freedom we have or what we've achieved, what we've gained, what we've lost. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The outward appearance does not matter one bit. The things of physicality materialism are utterly 
irrelevant. The only thing that matters is doctrine of God, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how fancy of a suit, how big of a pulpit, how big of a building, how big of a name that an individual has. It matters if they can preach the word of God correctly. And if they aren't, they need to be corrected by the word of God. And if they won't listen, they are to be rejected as the word of God said to do. We don't fight after the outward appearance. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It doesn't matter what they call themselves. It doesn't matter what they have. It doesn't matter what they think, what they feel, what they've seen, what they've envisioned, what they've dreamt. It doesn't matter. What matters is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. If I must needs glory... I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities, which is what? The ministry of Jesus Christ. I will glory in the work of Jesus Christ. I'll glory in that I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll glory in that I get to help others in the name of Jesus Christ. I glory in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ alone. We are not where we are located we are christians we are christians because the earth is one one planet one place it's not divided up into nations we are not divided up into tribes and and clans and cliques and groups with that where there's the saved and the unsaved all the people of the earth are one blood you are not by what what some people have have tried to written up in a constitution or made a government about we are not where we are located we are christians or not christians we are servants of god or not servants of god we are born again believers or not born again believers the only thing that we would glory in is the work of jesus christ don't create schisms. Don't create differences. It doesn't matter if they're of a different language, different nationality, different location, different color. What does that matter? What does it matter? All that are in Christ Jesus are, are uh, it doesn't matter if there's neither male nor female, neither bond nor free, neither Jew nor Gentile, all are one in Christ. Verse 31, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. And we challenge the authority by which we speak by the word of God. We challenge the words by the doctrine coming out of the heart. Doctrine, theology, the teachings of God. This is the only thing that matters. This is the only law, the only commandment, the only constitution, the only bill of rights, the only liberty, the only freedom, the only truth, the only thing that matters is the word of God. Everything else is irrelevant. Show me a nation that loves God. Show me any other nation that truly follows Jesus Christ. There are none. I will not glory in any nation of the earth then. I will not glory in anything that is of the outward appearance. Because everything of the outward is corrupted. Everything of the outward is corrupted. The flesh is corrupted. The world is corrupted. It's all corrupted by sin and wickedness and failure. The only thing that's eternal, the only thing that's true, the only thing that's victorious is the spirit of Jesus Christ. 
And if you don't believe me, if you get offended by that, the Lord knows I lie not. Take it up with him. Prove me by the word of God that I'm wrong. If you don't like what I'm saying, show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. Because everything else is irrelevant. Well, I feel, I think, I believe, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Well, I've achieved, look what I've done. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Many will stand before the Lord and will scream and shout about their achievements. But look, but have we not done, have we not done, have we not done? But I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. But I don't know you. It's not about the outward. Excuse me. It's about the inward. It's about the spiritual. It's about the eternal. It's the only thing that matters. Well, look what the wicked are doing. Will, will the Lord not deal with them? But look, look how they're how the kings of the earth gather themselves together and against the Lord and against his anointed. They fight against us. Does the Lord not laugh at them and fight them and cause them to be in derision? Don't worry about it. We don't take it in our own hands. My kingdom is not of this world, for if it were of this world, then would my servants fight. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? The Lord has really been challenging me lately on that one. He keeps bringing that verse up in my mind again and again and again. So I'd like to ask you folks. I've done po- I did a post on that. That, that passage where Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. For if it were of this world, then would my servants fight. Just that little excerpt from that passage. But what he says there. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? What do you get from that? Because we love fighting. We love aggressiveness. We love pushing back. We love screaming at those we disagree with. We love forming clans and cliques and, and, and creating divisive nations that fight against other, other people where all people are made in the image of God. All people of the earth are one blood. The Lord says we don't fight. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. We build up ourselves treasure in heaven, not on earth. My kingdom is not of this world. What does that mean to you? The devil wants you to build up kingdoms of this world. The devil wants you to fight. The devil wants you to speak evil against those who speak evil of you. The devil wants you to curse and spit and kick. The devil wants you to build up for yourself treasure on earth. The devil says if you, it says he will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you will but serve him. Serve his doctrine. Serve his theology. If you will but bow the knee to what he preaches. what does the Lord say? We, we look out into the world. We see the news. What's happening in the news? What's happening to the nations? There isn't one single nation that believes in God. There is not one single empire. There's not one single nation. There's not one single culture in the entire world that follows the Lord according to the word of God. Oh, there are billions of people who say they love God and have no fruit. No biblical fruit. In word only, but in works they dishonor him. 
We're surrounded by, by a multiplicity of individuals and groups and nations and cliques and clans and nations and whatever that are all off the mark. Preachers, teachers, evangelists, individuals setting themselves up as teachers of God that know not God. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. We were told that as in the days uh, of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. The earth was full of violence and wickedness and God was not in all their thoughts. Is that not like today? Like Sodom and Gomorrah and all its abomination and wickedness. Is that not what it's like today? Are you truly, honestly prideful of your nation? Are you honestly, when you look at the news and the state of, of your society, are you truly proud of it? Can you glory in your nation, your society? Can you glory in yourself? No. I fail the Lord constantly. I'm constantly struggling. I'm constantly failing. I can't glory in myself. Did you achieve by your own hands, by your own power, that which you have in your, in your life? No. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will only glory in the work of Jesus Christ. I will only glory in the faith. We have the faith. We have the torch of the faith and the faith only. Everything else is irrelevant. The earth fades away. The world passes away. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The faith of our Lord God stands forever. He preserves his word unto all generations. We can't glory in the generation. We glory in the word. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Even if no one else believes you. No one else cares. Everyone else opposes you. God knows you're telling the truth. If you have to stand alone, then stand alone. Truth is not always in the majority. Truth is not always in the minority. Truth is not in group numbers. Truth is not in personal opinion. Truth is because truth is. There's only one truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of the word of God. There's only one truth in this entire world. Nothing else matters. This. This is the only truth. This is the only thing that matters. And he goes on to explain in the final, final two verses here of what happens. Because Paul only glories in jesus christ and he doesn't care about anything else and just as jesus says you'll be hated and he gives an example here of like something that happened but because of this he was in damascus verse 32 in damascus the governor under aretas the king kept the city of the of the damascenes or the garrison desires to apprehend me a garrison of soldiers. he sent a garrison of soldiers after him to arrest him what were they going to do with him we don't know but it wanted to it wanted to arrest him and does Paul go around preaching anarchy? No. Does Paul go around preaching rebellion? No. Does Paul go around preaching politics? No. Does he stir up people against the governors and the rulers? No. He just goes around and preaches Jesus Christ. That's it. 
he heals the sick and and preaches jesus christ and founds churches he only focuses only only cares about that which is spiritual he couldn't care less about what's going on physically in damascus and the governor wanted to arrest him sent a, a, a garrison of soldiers after him and through a window in a basket i was let down by the wall and escaped his hands but the lord made a way of escape I didn't have to I didn't have to picket the governor and scream against the soldiers and stir up all kinds of people against what's going on and scream my rights, but rather I just left. What did Jesus say in Matthew 10? If they will not accept you, leave. If they will not accept you, leave. My kingdom is not of this world. So we don't focus on the things of this world. We focus on the eternal, which is the soul. And the soul will live on forever with the Lord or in hell. There's only one way, one truth, one life. And then you only get one chance to get it right. So we go out and we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, risen again. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to see souls saved. That's all we care about. When we look at each other, we see souls the outward appearance is irrelevant. We don't get wrapped up in the issues of the hands. Are, are the hands doing that, which I, which I feel that the hands should be doing? Traditionalism is irrelevant. Religiosity is irrelevant. The, uh, the whole that of uh, 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 being fruit inspectors is irrelevant. Rather, we look at the soul. The confirmation of faith of Jesus Christ by the confession of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that matters. Individuals will lie. Individuals will, uh, spur, uh, spurred on by Satan will come along to lie and try to cause issues and schisms and everything else to cause uh, infightings and bickerings and gossip and rumor. Ignore it. If people want to be children, let them. Ignore them. Well, I need to clear my name. You don't need to do anything but preach Jesus Christ. Don't worry about it. As that the great preacher of the of the law Gamaliel said to the Sanhedrin regarding the apostles be careful what you do to these men if it is of God you will find yourself fighting against God but if it if what they're doing is of men it will come to nothing the persecution and lies of the trolls will, will fade out in the fog of indifference ignore it ignore it ignore the things that the enemy tries to do, ignore that the, uh, the feelings and the opinions of men, ignore what's going on with in, phys- in the physicality, care only about the spirituality, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the preaching of the word of God, the building of the church for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. There's only one thing we should glory in. That's only Jesus Christ. So Paul tries to emphasize to them this this point. Tries to help the church of Corinth understand that these individuals coming in, trying to teach them falsely and these rumors and lies about him. He says, look at me. Look at my life. Look what I'm about. And then as the word of God says, that, 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 that they may falsely accuse your good works. That they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good works. How do they know that that it's falsely? Where's the proof? 
Look at the work. Look, look at the point. The end of our works. What is the end of our works? Because it talks about the, the workers, these false witnesses of Satan, whose end shall be according to their works. Look at, look at yourself and look at others. What's the end of their works? What are they working towards? What's the point? What's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the end according to our works? Think about that one. So there you go. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So with that, uh, if you've got any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead and ask away. And as well, if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up, make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon, see when we put up, so you know when we put up new videos, and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content, other playlists and stuff. And again, take what you've heard, take this study, go look it up yourself, do the study, do the check, and, and if you disagree with what I'm saying here, show me by the word of God how I'm wrong. Bring the word of God. Do the study. Cross-reference. Hold everyone and everything accountable to the word of God. Nothing is 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 excused. So with that, all right. Um, let's go down through the comments here. Make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. Uh, now again, as we talked about the working of the devil and how the devil stirs up and tries to get our focus off by corrupting the simplicity of Christ. Uh, we we talked about the 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 image that God gave regarding the devil, as we see imagery through Scripture, uh, how the Lord uses imagery to help us understand Him, how He works as the Lion of Judah, as He's the Savior, and how He's uh, how He's the Lamb of God. In the picture there, Jesus isn't actually a lion or a lamb, uh, and He's not a physical actual door. But, he, but you see by what that means, by the implication of that. And we see how we, we are called sheep. And, and he uses pictures and imagery for the devil. As he's a snake, he's a dragon, he's a roaring, roaring, vicious line, evil beast. So we see the, uh, the pictures and the imagery here. Now, uh, as we, we need to understand uh, this imagery to be able to understand a bit more of this chapter. So please make sure you check out the previous video on uh, Genesis 3 on who, what was it talking to Eve in the Garden of Eden there? Was it, uh, was it an actual talking snake or not? Okay, question came up regarding that by force. Did God cast the devil out of heaven before the Garden of Eden or after? We see in the word of God it was after. The, the rebuke and the curse came upon him because of what he did. Um, as uh, we see the curse of God on here, the cast, you know, the dust shall you eat in this. Uh, this is uh, after the temptation. So he, in the appearance, like the cherubim of God, taught that uh, lied to Eve and tempted her. And it's because of that, that's why God cursed him in pride and arrogance because he fought against the Lord. And that's where the Lord cursed him. This is where he fell. So it was after the garden, not before. Um, okay, uh, okay, Kingdom Harry, as we were talking about, uh, the, uh, false teachers, that it's all about money and all that kind of stuff, like the, uh, uh, the prosperity gospel movement, uh, Kingdom Harry says, uh, uh, sell me $50 and God will, God will bless you. <laughs> it was on a popular app by Twitter a long time ago and I was flooded by false teachers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's all it's it, they use the money scam. If if you sow a seed, sow a seed of ten dollars, God will give you a hundred dollars. It, it's the money scam. 
literally they are con artists using the money scam pretending pretending to be of god but using religion to get rich it's a get rich quick scheme using religion that's all it is and force says are there any apostles in the world today nope that stopped um as you see an apostle as uh, the the qualifications to be an apostle according to the word of god says you had to have seen the risen lord with your own eyes been taught by christ face to face with uh, uh, visions and dreams don't count actually taught by christ face and appointed by christ as an apostle we see that that paul met those requirements he was taught by jesus face to face in the wildernesses of arabia outside damascus right, right after he got saved and this is what qualified him and uh, the spirit of god spoke through the apostolic council of jerusalem recognizing this and accepted him into the apostleship because he met the requirements so no uh, there are no apostles today because well you'd have to be over two thousand years old okay no there are no apostles today Okay, purely grounded says charismatic movement claim intellectual Christians who disagree with them aren't Holy Spirit filled. Uh-huh. Example, Marcus Rogers, who's a terrible blasphemous heretic. Marcus Rogers, a blasphemous heretic, who says one must speak in tongues to be saved. Well, we don't see that in the Bible. Uh, salvation is by belief in the work of Jesus Christ. And we're, you're sealed by the Spirit of God because you believed, Ephesians 1.13. Um no so again that's that's a false teaching by marcus rogers okay uh going down through the comments okay fever dream says if a christian is not being persecuted are they doing something wrong like are you supposed to get persecuted is this a requirement <laughs> no it's not a requirement it's just that it's talking about the service of christ will be persecuted this is statement that this is gonna happen if you go out and start serving the lord you will be persecuted you you will make enemies people will hate you people will try uh, may not be even physical uh, attacking but but will disagree fight again you'll lose friends lose family uh, the people uh will disrespect you and not like you uh, and fight against you oppose you in some way shape or form you will be persecuted when you serve the lord it's what will happen like for example go out in the go out in the street corner and hand out gospel tracts start preaching jesus christ watch what happens that's what i'm talking about well, it's not a requirement it's just a statement of what will happen if you serve the lord okay uh going down through the comments all right okay i think pretty much covers it all all right so again uh as we're talking about today is uh the opposing of the flesh again and the and the, how the devil try to stir up the needs and wants and lusts of the flesh to glory in self and to make it all about yourself to focus on self in some way shape or form and paul says no the only thing we glory in is the work of jesus christ if we make it about ourselves we've missed the point the devil wants to corrupt our minds against the simplicity it's simple it's a simple work it's a simple thing. It's a simple faith. Christ is simple. It's not complicated. It's not about religion. It's about belief of faith. Belief of faith. 
It doesn't matter if people agree or disagree with you. It matters what they believe about Jesus Christ. And as long as they believe in the correct Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Okay. I think that pretty much covers it up. Um, going down through here, make sure I didn't miss any other comments. Fever says, I wonder why bad people are successful in this life and have everything. Why do the wicked prosper? Why does God bless those that are not, not of God? Who says God is blessing them? Who says God is blessing them? Where in fact, we see in Matthew 4, I think it's Matthew chapter 4, uh, uh, where we see the temptation in the wilderness. Satan comes to Jesus and tempts Jesus and says, if you bow to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You see, Satan rewards those who serve his will. If you follow after the doctrines, the teachings, the ways, the lusts of this world, if you if you focus on this world and you don't focus on the things of God, the devil will reward you. To make you feel that you don't need God. Why do I need God? I already have everything. The devil rewards wickedness. Look at Kenneth Copeland again. Uh, look at the uh, look at the, the the super rich in this world. What what are they all about? Self. No God. Don't need God. Don't need Jesus. Don't need the faith. And it's just all about them in this world. The devil rewards that to keep you distracted, to keep you feeling you don't need God because you already have everything. That's that's bad. So so don't always ascribe to God that which is not of God. God does not reward wickedness. He does not bless the wicked. All right, going down through the comments. Okay, Ube says, so so God will only accept us to his kingdom if we're not like the Pharisees, all cocky and trying to appear by super holy before others and by doing works. No, 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 no. God only accepts those who believe on his son. God only accepts those who believe in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You are elected into the family of God by your belief on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Yet you are held in his hand because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are born again saved, uh, when you repent of your sins and believe in the gospel as the scriptures teach, this is where God accepts you. God, uh, uh, the outward, the outward is, it does not affect the inward. The only thing that affects the inward is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We focus on this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, now, can the Lord use you? If you, once you are saved and you're all focused on self, will the Lord use you? No. Usage is different. So, God only accepts those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ according to Scripture. Um, okay. If Fever says, okay, so not a requirement, but sometimes I think by putting yourself at risk, you're in like extra credit points instead of those who do nothing. Uh, again, the whole brownie point system doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you've been persecuted or whatever. That's all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. Now, now, also, we see in the word of God, the whole martyrdom mentality thing is unbiblical. We are not called to be martyrs. 
Martyrdom is something that happens if it happens, but we don't seek it. We're not to seek it. Jesus says, if they will not listen to you, if they do not accept you, leave. Go somewhere else. He doesn't say stay and fight and be a martyr. He says leave. Now, we go out and we work, we serve the Lord, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And whatever happens is, is beside the point is irrelevant. We serve the Lord because we want to serve the Lord. Because we love Him, because people need to hear the truth. That's all that matters. What happens to me is irrelevant and beside the point. I don't seek brownie points. It's not about brownie points. It's not about extra. There's no such thing as extra credit with God, that kind of thing. And, and we're not doing it to build brownie points and to build up notoriety with other saints. That's, that's irrelevant. It's beside the point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've achieved, what we've not done. The person with the broom sweeping the floor may have led more souls to the Lord than the preacher in the pulpit. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It matters as, as much as you're speaking up for the Lord. Is you want to serve the Lord and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Okay. Um, okay, and... Uh, one final question here. Matthew 7, where it says uh, that those who did many works, what does this mean? The Ma Matthew 7, uh, where it talks about the many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have they not done, have they not done, have they not done? And they've done many wonderful works. Well, they've done a lot of religion. They've done a lot of religiosity. They've done a lot of things in the name of God. But they were depending on uh, on their maintenance of these things to earn brownie points of God uh, that the Lord would save them because of their works. They, they believe that their works saved them. They had to earn, to gain, maintain, to keep, self-atone, that kind of thing. It's the works-based salvationist. That's what that passage is about. That The Lord says, I don't know you because they were depending on the works, not on Christ alone. So they, they, they were depending on the works to save them. But the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. So that's what that passage is about. Okay, and uh, works, again, is religiosity. Works of religion, religious works, that kind of thing. Uh and again, if there ever was a holy war, no, there won't be. Uh, God doesn't do that kind of thing. Uh, those crusades that was Roman Catholic, that was not biblical, is not Christian. Jesus says, he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. And we're to love our enemies, not go around slaughtering them. God saves by grace, not by war. So, no, God wouldn't even do that. Um, KGB says, so many self-righteous uh, staying and fighting, turning into their own battle and not the Lord's. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, and f fighting for God is okay. No, it's not. The Bible says no, that uh, the servant of the Lord must not strive. The servant of the Lord must not strive. And uh, as it says, the servant of the Lord must be no striker. No striker. As uh, we look at uh, what happened when Peter pulled his sword and struck out and struck off the ear of the servant. What did Jesus say? Stop it. Put away your sword. He comes He comes to, to save, not destroy. So, no, the Lord, the Lord is against that kind of thing. He's not for that. So, yeah. What does the Word of God say? Oh, there were wars in the Bible. That was in the Old Testament. That was a whole different thing. That's That, that, that was uh, the judgment of God upon upon the nations. Like we see the flood uh, in the pre, uh, 
in the flood of Noah. We see the fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. We see how the Lord fought against nations. And then we see the Israelites coming into Cana. But the Lord used the Israelites like his flood of, of judgment upon the wickedness of the Canaanites. But that was that was a specific thing by God. That's not that's not a norm a normality. That's and we see in the New Testament in the New Covenant we're under we're under grace, not law. The, the Lord says says uh, uh, we must turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those that hate you. Uh, love uh, love and pray for those and bless those that persecute you. We see that uh, uh, render not evil for evil. Speak evil of no man. That's what Jesus says. And everyone else's opinion is irrelevant. Okay, and that kind of flows a little bit in what we're talking about because it's not of the outward appearance, it's about of the heart we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we focus on Christ and Christ alone. So there we go. So that wraps it up for today. I hope that this has been a study at, that uh, you enjoyed. And if you didn't, well... <laughs> oh well uh so we'll, we'll keep moving on we'll keep uh, preaching keep serving so with this i hope that you appreciate please give this a like as a thumbs up make sure you subscribe and share this video around and uh yeah so with that then we'll we'll wrap that up there so thank you so much folks for joining in god bless all those who love our lord god jesus christ god bless all those who love his holy word hope to see you again folks and as always if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.